guys, welcome to the 15th episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness podcast. On this podcast, I interviewed Mr. Elliot Holtz. Elliot is a strength and conditioning coach from Florida in the uh, USA, and he has a very strong following on the internet. Uh, on this episode, myself and Elliot discussed many topics, and um, we discussed topics of uh, Elliot's influences on him as a coach and on as a person, nutrition, spirituality, what does God mean to Elliot, and many other topics throughout the show as with all shows up until now it was a great show and i hope you guys really enjoyed and get something out of it okay mr elliot holtz finally i've got you on my podcast just for the for the listeners who aren't familiar with who you are just fill us in on your background well uh, i typically take people back pretty far so when i was about four years old my uncle came and lived with my parents and i uh he's, he's my mom's brother and he was a martial artist he was a black belt in kung fu he uh, also he was a bodybuilder he was a gymnast he was just a, an all-around athletic badass and me being four years old and having this guy live in my house who's had a great impression on my psyche he uh, i would watch him do backflips and chop bricks and stuff in my parents basement and uh and i guess that really imprinted itself on my mind and, and carried through to the type of personality that I developed. So uh, I studied exercise physiology, I played college football, and I, to this day, I spend my time trying to get stronger to be like him and teaching other people how to do the same thing. Awesome stuff. Could you speak about people who've influenced you the most, apart from your uncle, obviously, that you just mentioned? Who else has influenced you greatly in the field? Well, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a strange question because... I gotta be honest, exercise is exercise. I don't think there's that much that can be described as new or groundbreaking. I mean, we've been doing this, I mean, martial arts and, and Chinese medicine has, have involved exercise in their, in their philosophies for 4,000 years. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's old, old, old stuff. I think what happens a lot of times is we get bogged down and we get confused with all of the, the quote-unquote innovations of health and fitness and science and get uh, distracted from what's reality. So uh, the guys that kind of point backwards to the way we did things before the pharmaceutical companies and the supplement companies and the, the exercise machine manufacturers uh, started to rape our minds with their, uh, with their agenda. Uh, one of the guys that introduced me to a lot of those older ideas that I appreciate was Paul Check. Um, I know you did an interview on your website, I see it here, with him, and then that guy, everything that he talks about basically go, points back to the way we did things 4,000 years ago, or the foods we ate 10,000 years ago. So to say influence on, uh, who's had an influence on my way of thinking, um, it's just, it's so broad, you know, but, but definitely Paul Check is one of the guys that kind of uh, smacked me about Ten years ago, and introduced me to a lot of the ideas that I, I now expand expand upon today. You uh, you have a very holistic approach to uh, to strength training and to life. Can you just briefly, or not even briefly, go as long as you want? But can you just discuss this? Like, what, why, why do you look at strength training uh, with such a holistic microscope? Well, because it's very the human body. Uh, is not, there are no separate entities. Everything is the same. From the, from the thing that you think about to the poop that comes out of your butt, 
it's all integrated. It doesn't, like, for example, th that may have sounded retarded to you. I mean, what is this guy talking about? The things you're thinking about and the poop that's coming out of your ass? Well, yeah, you know, if you're stressed out, then you're going to have sympathetic overload. Your adrenals are going to be overproducing cortisol. You're going to end up with constipation. So the way you're thinking is going to have a effect on your digestive health. As crazy as that may sound, that's just one small example about how we can't separate one thing from the other. So if you go to a doctor or you go to uh, some sort of practitioner because you've got constipation, he's going to give you a pill to deal with the constipation. Mm -hmm. In no way, shape, or form is he going to approach the, the idea that perhaps you're stressed out because you, you, know, you, you just had a, a bad divorce and your your son you just found out your son is on heroin and you're you're not making enough money to make ends meet and none of that means anything to the guy who's trying to cure your constipation but in reality the reason why you can't poop is because because of those life situations so that is just i mean that's a big broad expansive example but i think every single result we get in our lives positive and negative can be taken back several, several, several steps, um, even to, to places earlier in our lives, you know, mm -hmm. we've been greatly affected by our childhood, you know, the, the, a lot of the paradigms that you proceed from have been built by your parents' ideas that they may have shared with you when you were three years old that today is causing you impotence, you know, you're three years old and you're your mom says, don't touch your penis, and, uh, and mm -hmm. if you get an erection, you're a bad boy. Well, now, now you're 37 years old, and you have impotence, and you're, you're wondering why you can't get an erection, and when you do, your orgasms are terrible. Mm -hmm. So you can't separate any of this stuff. And there's there's some great books out there like Bruce Lipton's book Biology Belief where he speaks about like the first six years of your life is is so crucial that you 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 get that subconscious mind that dictates Hang the way you second. perceive I'm life. I'm sorry, there's a garbage truck going by. Oh, I'm, you're okay. I'm in a I'm in a warehouse gym, so I'm not <laughs> in the area. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. But then I, I was just saying that there's a great book by Bruce Lipton. I don't know if you read it, Biology Belief. I know you read a lot, so you might have heard of it. But in the book, he basically says that in your first six years of life from being a baby to six years of age you, you download your subconscious mind and this subconscious mind kind of runs your life without you ever knowing it and it's kind of how you perceive the world around you so it just goes back to what you're saying that certain things that uh, influence you or, or that you downloaded uh, quote unquote downloaded as your subconscious mind in the first few years can come back and kind of uh, shape the way you live the rest of your life without you ever knowing as, as you said like your you know your mother saying don't touch your penis at three years of age and now you, you can't even have an orgasm at, at, in your late 30s or 40s yeah absolutely and you know what's even more interesting is I'm studying uh, a form of body psychology called character analysis and uh, and, and bioenergetic uh, therapy and according to the you know the founders of this idea the those ideas especially in the first Two years of your life not only get trapped in your subconscious which we would think of as something that's intangible but gets trapped in your tissue in your muscle mm -hmm. you basically end up with holding patterns in your musculoskeletal system that represent those ideas and we all know that's true so if we go back to the situation with the touching of the penis when you're a child uh, what that will do and even that one and even like you know early potty training what those things will do is they'll create tension in the child's pelvic area. So really tight adductors, really tight glutes, um, the, the muscles of the lower abdominal breathing patterns will be, will be shortened, 
all of these things due to all these physical manifestations due to the to the thought due to the idea that was presented psychologically so then you end up growing up with displaying a particular character structure that dictates your future because now you've got it's, it's trapped in your physical body so it's going to play itself out in your daily life you're going to have a hard time uh, strength training with heavy weights because your legs are always weak and tired and or your 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 adductors are so tight that they pull your knees in and there's medial rotation when you do lunges so you end up with bad knees you know so again you know it's, it's, it may sound crazy but it all makes perfect sense and if you take a few steps back and look at things from the big picture instead of in little chunk down pieces which what we typically do you'll realize that you know you use the word word holistic but it, it's it's indicative of the integrated integrative reality of everything that we deal with mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there, there's a what was I going to say there there's a um Oh, is it going? Oh, yeah, J James Oshman. He he he's a, a researcher who who speaks an awful lot about people holding their emotions and their fascial tissue. So he he's got some very good and interesting what? research out there. Um, what about nutrition, Elliot? How does nutrition come in come into the picture with with you and your and your clients? Well, it, as far as my position is with nutrition, I've never. I've never really eaten for fat loss or for sculpting or anything like that. It just hasn't been where I've gone. The majority of what I share with people that that has to do with uh, nutrition is to eat foods that we were designed to eat. You know, um, you wouldn't put orange juice in the in the in the in the tank of your car and expect it to drive well. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, there's a particular type of fuel that works best for every machine or every organism, and we as human beings do best on food. And I say that facetiously, but in a way, it, it's reality, because a lot of what we eat is not food. Mm -hmm. So it, it's as simple as eat things that come from the earth and eat, things, eat, eat animals, you know, things with eyes. You know, and, uh, and 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 things that are natural that you know were here ten thousand years ago. That's basically like the only permanent stance that I have on nutrition: how you balance macronutrients or push things in and pull things out, and when you eat it and how you eat it. Really, it, it, those are all different uh, superficial ideals that may or may not work for some people, but there there are a handful of principles, and, and one of them is just eat food. Fasting seems to be a, a new sort of thing within nutrition lately. What's your view on fasting? I'm sorry, say that again? Well, f fasting seems to be a, a kind of a new popular thing within the nutrition industry. And What's your opinion of it, of fasting? It's funny, I was just talking with someone about this the other day, and, you know, I kind of got bitten by the bug to a degree, but I think with everything in fitness, the pendulum swings. And we go from one extreme to the other, and I think we're getting a little carried away with, with, with fasting. Of course, this is something that has been done for thousands of years again. Um, there's nothing new about it. But there are all types of outrageous claims are being made that I subscribe to, but I've had to take a few steps back and think about, uh, you know, things like you know, you're going to gain muscle mass by fasting. I mean, it kind of goes against uh, logic. Like, it, it almost doesn't make sense. So I think we're getting to the point where fasting is becoming the new fad thing that everyone can bastardize to the best of their ability and use as a tool to make all types of outrageous claims. I mean, 
to gain muscle mass by not eating, I, I don't think makes much sense. And most of the guys that say that, they're about 170 pounds, and I, I don't think they're going to squat 600 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it, it depends on what your goal is at the end of the day, too. Right. And the reality is that there, there are tremendous health benefits to it. I just I would just advise you or invite you not to get tricked by a lot of the uh, the silliness that's going on surrounding it. Obesity and diabetes are, are another big topic lately within within the health industry. In your opinion, what is the cause? Or well, I, I like I know that the, the causes are multifactorial, but in your opinion, what would you do to try and reduce uh, this this uh, epidemic of obesity and, and diabetes? Well, there's, you know, it's funny, I've thought about this uh, recently, especially with regard to um, obesity. And I, I think it's a, a much more so than just what people are eating. Mm -hmm. We can take this back to a paradigm. We could take it back to a, an idea, thoughts, uh, psychology. And we live in a day and age and in a time when we're, we're insatiable. We don't get enough. We're constantly entertained, and food is an entertainment. We're constantly bombarded with, with messages, with information, with ideas, and it doesn't stop. That doesn't stop at any door. Food is one of them. And I, I think we've just been inundated with this idea that we need to be eating lots and lots and lots of food, and then it becomes addictive because obviously there's, uh, uh, you know, there are tons of chemicals, addictive chemicals in the foods. Mm -hmm. So to say that I, ha well, I would have an answer for how to approach it, it, it would be education. It would, you know, I think there are a lot of people that just don't even know that mm -hmm. they're being tricked into eating a lot of these foods. And then just like how these cigarette companies uh, would put addictive qualities into the cigarettes in order to have people addicted to it after a few times of trying, I think the same thing is happening with their food and, and people are being tricked. And it, I, I think education needs to happen. Like reform, you know, stopping McDonald's from... Uh, producing certain foods, I don't think is the answer. I don't think he, the answer is by creating laws. I think it's by educating people, and I think we're doing a pretty good job at it. How would you, in your mind, how could you get that education more mainstream? Do you think there should be more nutritional education in schools from a young age? I'm not sure because I mean, who's going to teach those classes? True. True. You know, most of those, most of the people that are, I remember going to health class when I was in high school, and the teacher was literally the fattest teacher <laughs> in the school. Yeah, yeah, and they pro uh, probably told probably told you to eat a low fat diet. So I'm not sure if that's the answer. Um, it's, it's a great question, and I wish I could give you something a bit more eloquent, but it's definitely something that that needs to be addressed. I like the fact that we live in a day and age where information is readily accessible to anyone who has eyes to read and fingers to press buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mere fact that you can go and just punch into a computer how to lose 100 pounds or how to lose weight, there's definitely a book or a product or a DVD or a coaching program or a website or YouTube videos that will tell you how to do it. I mean, the information is there. So I don't think education is a lack of, in, of available information. I think it's, a, a, again, it's a paradigm. It's a place where people are coming from, where they're not even, they don't even realize that it's an option. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The first time I ever heard the name Elliot Hulse, it was associated with the lean hybrid uh, 
muscle muscle building program can you just explain how this idea evolved this lean hybrid muscle idea evolved well I've been doing strongman training for a few years when my friend Mike Westerdahl came to my gym and he had been powerlifting and powerlifting is one of those sports that has high intensity low volume and long rest intervals where strongman was high intensity but there were no rest intervals and uh, yeah it was very short rest intervals and high volume it was just ridiculous it, it beat the crap out of most people who did it and that's why I used it for fitness it was a lot of fun it was challenging it was heavy and uh, and it worked and when he came to my gym that day and uh, and I you know, he, he saw me lifting a stone and uh, he, he wanted to try it out he tried it out and after three reps he was out of breath and he he, he, he said something he said this is High intensity. What did he call it? He called it uh, max effort cardio. That was the term that he used. <laughs> max effort cardio, which is it was just a contradiction. And uh, we started looking into different ideas that were associated with it. We found some work by Ori Hoffmeckler, um, where he spoke about hybrid muscles. We found another book. We just did a ton of research on this idea of hybrid muscle and hybrid training, and. Um, I think he spoke about Mar Marty Gallagher, was it? Marty Gallagher's book? Marty Gallagher, that, actually, yeah, that was the main resource. We found Ori Hoffmeckler through that. And uh, and in there, he talked about type 3 muscle fibers. And we just, we just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was like we were reading comic books and, and having super muscles. So we just decided, why don't we write a book that had all the workouts we've been doing that are similar to what's being described here. And that's why we, we came up with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think you also spoke about when you were strongman too that you, you just you yourself were sick of having like the extra bit of fat like and you, you felt unathletic and this is this, was this another reason for the lean hybrid system as well yeah that's right <laughs> uh, a big part of what we wanted to make sure happened was that uh, you got stronger but didn't gain a ton of unwanted weight which typically happened you know especially with uh, athletes that had high intensity sports and 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 long rest intervals. There wasn't much of a cardio component. In your opinion, Elliot, what do you think are the biggest problems within the strength and conditioning industry today? And even just you know, you can go off on this and go into like health and wellness and medicine and whatnot. But but within the strength and conditioning industry, first biggest problems. Well, I think it's the same problem that we're having in. It, it's a blessing and it's a curse that we have access to so much information. You know, it's a blessing because it's like all of these ideas expose you to so many different ways of seeing things and so many different resources that you can use to build a, a wonderful philosophy for your life and for your fitness and for business. I mean, there's, it, we didn't have access to the amount of ideas that we had through the Internet. I mean, you and I wouldn't even be speaking right now. It's, it's pretty remarkable some of the things that we can do because of the access that we have to other people's ideas. Um, I mean, it makes for the most artistic expression ever. I mean, uh, artists really put down on paper or in their work an expression of all the ideas they've been exposed to uh, mixed with their experiences. And the more ideas you're exposed to, the more experiences you subject yourself to, the more unique your art will be. And I think we live in a day and time where that is just, that's, it's taking over and it's, and it's brilliant. I'm shocked every day at some of the things that I see people coming up with and it's merely because of, simply because of this. At the same time, if you, it's very easy to become overwhelmed, very easy to become distracted 
Um, on a daily basis, I have to remind myself of what my art is because I all get distracted by so many other ideas, contradicting ideas, ideas that completely oppose the direction that I'm going in. Um, and, and that could be hurtful. That could, that could destroy you. I, I often think about, like, um, I do a lot of writing, and one of my favorite things to do is to write and to, and to mix ideas with my writing. And I like to read a lot of the old books, like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau, like the old transcendentalist movement-type books. And I think of those guys, they would sit there with, like, they may have, like, a handful of books, you know, and these are books that they probably read hundreds of times over and over again throughout the course of their lives, and a piece of paper. And they would sit down, and they'd have access to their ideas that were based on their experiences, and this handful of, ideas, of, of books. And with very little distraction, very little feedback from anyone, they would jot down what the muse or the spirit spoke through them and gave them. I mean, this is, this is how, like, all of the, the most magnificent pieces of literature have ever been created. You know, mm -hmm. you think of, mm -hmm. like, the Homer and the Iliad and Odyssey and the Bible. These are all things written by people that were completely undistracted. They were focused, they were tuned in, and the spirit worked through them to create these, these beautiful pieces of, of work. Um, that's a, it's very difficult to make that happen now, because, you know, I'll sit down and I'll write, and I want to be creative, um, I might throw something out there to test it, and I'll quickly realize that, like, man, like, this is being rejected, or, uh, or I'll read something, or somebody will say something, or I'll watch a video, and it'll t totally throw me off course, and it's like, man, that original thing that I wanted to share with people has totally been uh, derailed, and, uh, and the art really suffers a lot of times because of that. So when you ask me, like, the biggest problem in strength and conditioning, <laughs> it's all good. It, it's all good. There's a there's a lot of ideas. That's good, but the bad thing is that there's a lot of ideas. There's too many. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of a it's a it's a catch twenty two. That the best thing can also be the thing that hurts you. Ellie, you're you're as I said before, you're you have such a holistic view. How did you get into strength and conditioning then? Because like, even uh, even another question I had down here is. Uh, I saw the the YouTube clip where you where you showed what books you read, and I kind of even knew before that video because I think I heard in an interview with Ryan McGann you were like, "Dude, I don't even read that much English books. I read more philosophy books and life books and 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 etc." So like, what got you into strength and condition when you really are like a very you know kind of you're not any more of a philosopher? What how, what got you into the strength field? I, you know, I wish I could tell you well. Like I said earlier on, my uncle was a bodybuilder, and you know, he, I was involved in fitness and sports at a very young age. Uh, just took to it naturally. I don't. Here's the thing: I don't read too much or study too much with regard to like strength and fitness because I think it's already in me. I think it's not like bo I was born that way. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it doesn't take any effort. I see. For some people, it might take some effort. You know, they they've got to prove that they are what they are. It just oozes out of my pores. So I don't have to do anything to support it. It's just like, you want to get stronger? Well, I'm pretty strong. I can show you what I did. And that's basically been my position. And, um, and that's, it, it's just who I am. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's the, it's the hat that I wear, the clothes that I have on, it's the way that I walk. You know, I was born this way. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like asking the bird, why did, you know, why did you get up in that tree and sing every day? It's like, well, it's a freaking bird. What do you expect? <laughs> so is, but I guess, uh, I guess, I guess my question is, why aren't, why aren't you Elliot Hulse 
the like you know life coach or pro- professor of philosophy rather than any culture strength like I'm just saying how how did you get into strength and conditioning but yet like you're so much more than obviously a strength coach the average strength coach anyway well the reason why I'm not the philosopher and Elliot Hall's the life coach or the therapist or, or functional medicine doctor or any of those other things is um I thought I had an answer. I don't know why. I, I, here's the thing, dude. Like, it's very difficult for me to even label myself. I, I'm, I'm constantly contradicting myself. I'm constantly jumping from one category to the next. I just happen to have an audience that's yeah. interested in hearing about fitness, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, I mean, you read, my, you read my stuff and you see my videos. It's like, I'll talk about fitness, but I'm not really talking about fitness most of the time. I know, yeah. I, 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 I get what you mean. And, like, it's the same with me. Like, I mean... As I, as I said to you before we came on the call, like I'm a, I'm a strength and conditioning coach and I'm also a physical therapist and I'm a functional nutritionist, functional medicine practitioner, whatever. But like, it's like, you know, just saying I'm a strength coach show is such a narrow kind of term. And when I see you doing your bit, I'm like, like you know, and you say like I'm a strength coach, I'm like, but you're so much more. But it's kind of like there isn't a name. There, there isn't a name for what we do yet really so I, I guess really we're just kind of holistic coaches if you're like holistic strength coaches or whatever but uh, it's just it, it's just it just intrigues me that too that uh, you know you're, you're definitely very holistic in comparison to most strength coaches just t- touching back to, to, to the books that you read Elliot could you just go into some of the books that influence you you, you, you mentioned um, Emerson there he, he seems to be a big influence on you uh, and uh, that YouTube clip you, you showed some other some other books can you just go into that well I go through phases and there are certain times I'll read certain things right now I am heavily involved in a study of body psychology like I described earlier so um, good thing Alexander Lowen has authored about 13 books so I bought all 13, and I'm, I'm probably on the fourth one right now. So huge influence on the direction I'm moving in right now. I think everything that we read and every experience that we have uh, adds to the foundation of where we're headed. And this is I'm building this platform right now, and it all has to do with the ideas uh, presented mainly through uh, the work of Alexander Lowen, and he was a student of Wilhelm Reich, and Wilhelm Reich was a student of uh, of Sigmund Freud, and Sigmund Freud proposed the idea that the subconscious was expressed physically, and, uh, and it, all ha- it had a lot to do with his sex psychology, psychology of sex, and uh, he spoke about it a little bit, but it was a very taboo issue at the time, but he had a student named Reich, who was kind of a rebel, a guy, he was a brilliant, brilliant man, but had a, a tragic childhood and was a, was a rebellious genius. And he just took that entire idea of sex psychology and body psychology and wrote books about the function of the orgasm and character structure and things that at the time were very taboo but made a lot of sense. And if you look at like West Eastern philosophy, you look at like yoga and, and Tai Chi, Qigong, martial arts, these things are all present in those ancient forms of body work and, and body, mind, and spirit work. He just used Western psychological, biological, sociological language to present it to the Western world, and, and he's written a lot of books. So right now, that the majority of what I feel like talking about and where I am right now is, is based on the work of those two guys. In in the back of your mind, where is all this going? Because just from my perspective, with, with, with the kind of holistic approach I'm taking, 
it, what I what I see doing in a few years is having a very just holistic facility and just a real health wellness and even sports performance facility and having you know numerous uh, practitioners from different fields anywhere from medical doctors to the best physiotherapists the best osteopaths chiropractors nutritionists spiritual counselors organic farmers you know kind of life force chefs and all this like where where do you see your situation going like what's your what's your big term end goal well, it's funny. I'm working. I working with several mentors, and I, I just spoke to you about that. So I'm studying functional medicine or functional diagnostic nutrition, really, uh, with Dr. Kalish, mm-hmm. and uh, he. I signed up for his course, and I'm learning about the adrenals and the, and, and testing my friends' and cortisol levels and and poop tests and stuff. And he asked me the same thing. He's like, Elliot, well, you know, you're you're a personal trainer. You have a gym. I know you write some books and stuff. And I'm like, What are you gonna do with this? And my answer is what I will give you right now. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very excited about this stuff. I, I, I'm excited to learn it, and I want to share it, and that's where I am right now. I can't tell you exactly how I'm going to use it. I don't know, but I know that I could spread the ideas that, that I have enrolled in that you've shared with me. And then yesterday, I went up to my other mentor's, uh, one of my other mentor's uh, facility. His name's Dr. Glazier, and he is a bioenergetic therapist. And, you know, sit down for our session, and uh, we're talking about all the cool things that I'm learning, and he's giving me, like, different ideas, like uh, psychological transference and all this, like, really awesome stuff that will help people. And he says to me, because then I said to him, I'm like, you know, Dr. Glazer, this stuff is awesome. I just don't know how I'm going to use it or what I'm going to do. And he just affirmed to me that, look, you take this and you, you experience it, and however it, 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 it manifests itself in your life and in the world and how you share it and help people with it is going to be what it is. Don't force it. And that's kind of, I had to really like sit with that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, my aspirations have shifted from like what you described. You know, a few years ago, I was thinking the same thing. You know, I'm going to have a clinic and I'm going to have all these special therapists and stuff. Two, man, I just really like writing. I like making videos. I like talking to people about these ideas. Like, I'm all jacked up and excited talking to you right now. <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. So what am I going to do right now? I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do, which is to continue to study and continue to just talk about it, share it. Whenever I find cool things in books, I, I post it on my Facebook wall or I'll make a YouTube video about it. And uh, Over time, there will be a core of people that enjoy these ideas that want to learn more. And I'll teach it, you know, I'll teach it through books and I'll teach it through workshops and so on and so forth. Just continuing on there, you just said the word workshop. You've, you've recently started up Strengthology. This is your, your own sort of certification course. Can you just explain what is Strengthology? Strengthology is the science and application of becoming the strongest version of yourself. And that's what I call it. And it's really a playground at this point of ideas. The very first level all has all to do with the developing of physical strength, the thing that I'm most known for at this point. So uh, correcting muscular imbalances and designing programs for improving physical performance, and we stop at that. Um, as you and I both know, and it, as we've spoken about in this interview, it doesn't stop there, mm-hmm. but that's where that level stops because uh, that needs to be understood, and it's usually the easiest and first thing the most superficial thing to deal with, you know, what type of muscular imbalances do you have, how do we correct those with stretches and exercises, and how do we design a plan to get you as fit as you'd like to be, either fat loss or muscle building, you know? The second level is physiological strength. 
and that's some of the stuff that I'm learning with Dr. Kalish right now, and it, it has to do with testing the adrenals and understanding your cortisol levels and how to adjust your lifestyle and nutrition to support it, because apparently cortisol is like the main hormone that will kind of dictate what everything else is, is doing in your body, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, as the digestive system, so that's level two. And level three is psychosomatic strength, all of the very exciting stuff that I've been sharing with you about uh, the work of Lowen and Reich. And what's really fascinating about that, especially for fitness professionals, is that the answer to correcting a lot of those uh, pathologies, the psychological pathologies or neurosis, is exercise. And there are certain exercises that you should do, stretches you should do, to help break up the psychosomatic tension in your body and uh, and I get really excited thinking about this because I think that's probably what the direction that my practice and the majority of what I talk about in the coming three to five years is going to be how how do you find people's reactions are to I asked Paul check this question well how do you find people's reactions are to your teachings mixed <laughs> you know <laughs> Definitely mixed. Um, that's why it, when you asked earlier, you know, why am I talking mostly about strength and conditioning? It's because that's where most people are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right I now. mean, that's that's where I was, say, three or four years ago. I was like, oh, just strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning. And even I get interns that come to my facility now, and, and the first thing I say to them is, learn about nutrition, learn about psychology, learn about functional nutrition, functional medicine, learn about psychology, learn about people. Like, I was like, the strength and conditioning part's the easy part. <laughs> Yeah, it's the most superficial thing, and, and that's where most people are. Either they're young and they're just starting out, or that's just kind of where they stay. You know, it, it's a little scary to venture into other ideas, especially because if you've got medical professionals and, and pharmaceutical industries and the hospital industries that are all, you know, vultures in that regard. They don't want you messing with their territory, and, you know, and we can get in big trouble for doing so. But understanding is another thing. Uh, so that's why the, the certification that you described, it's... it's well, four levels. That fourth level I didn't describe, but it's presentable strength, and it's essentially now taking all that information and sharing it with other people to create a living for yourself and to impact the world with these ideas. So that's what I, that's what I envision. You know, having uh, a situation where I can share these empowering ideas with people, improving their lives with that, and then taking having them take it and share it with other people to help strengthen their lives and help them become the strongest version of themselves all right moving on to another topic uh you uh, if i'm right you started another youtube channel just for separate thoughts kind of away from strength and condition i think you said in one of your videos you've let's just go on to the topic of economy what what's going on with the economy and what is your your opinion of world governments and and etc well, I mean, I can give you all types of ideas about master schemes and, and, and things that may or may not be going on. But the bottom line <laughs> like is... Like uh, yeah, Alex, the, the Alex Jones Brigade? Hmm? Like uh, Alex Jones? Yeah, I mean, and, and all that will do, really, is make you upset. It just makes me upset. And, and yeah. really, there's... Honestly, there's not much that we can do about it. You know, the world has always been ruled by a small minority. It, it's... It's the way things have been, you call it the patriarchal uh, hierarchy. It's, it's basically what we've been doing since Cain and Abel. It's just, it's just the way it is, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's part of human evolution that we're going through. Will mm-hmm. it change? Probably, because we always do. We went from a matriarchal type society into a patriarchal. 
what's next is probably a, a more evolved version of the, the human race. And uh, when I say that, I mean we'll just be proceeding from a different paradigm. We, you know, there's a, Reich also wrote a book called The Mass Psychology of Fascism. And uh, you know, he was another one that wouldn't separate sociology from psychology because it's all intertwined. And essentially, we, the reason why a small minority rules us is because we still want a, mo a small minority to rule us. We, we still come from a patriarchal, which basically means there's always somebody above you, uh, type paradigm. It's just it's where we are as a race of human beings psychologically. But, it's, but that is definitely breaking, that, and, and we see it all around us, that, uh, that foundation, the foundation of that structure is falling apart, and that's why you see all these revolutions and uprisings uh, throughout the world. As far as the, uh, the economy is concerned, the economy I've discovered is just another form of philosophy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, we're, and we've got some pretty bad philosophies. So, so the way it should work, we've tried many different things. We've tried, uh, you know, different forms of socialism and capitalism. Um, not to say that one was better than the other or that one is flawed. It's the way we're executing it, you know. Socialism makes sense, you know. We should, we should all have enough, you know. And capitalism makes sense. You should be able to work as hard and keep what you work for. The problem is how we're doing it. And, um, and, you know, I'm not an economist, and uh, you know, philosophy is more of my, my thing. It's just, uh, it'll be interesting to see as the way it is collapses, what happens next. Hopefully we can figure something out that works a little bit better. It's kind of like religion in a way. In theory, in theory it seems okay, but it, 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 never, it never happens, though, in practice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because human beings are executing it. We always screw it up. <laughs> Yeah, I have a friend doing law, and a lot of a lot of uh, like uh, philosophy is a big part of law. And he always says that in their philosophy talks in 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 his college, he's like a lot of the person's you know philosophical thoughts are great, but he's like there's one problem: it applies to humans. He's like humans are flaw have laws of flaws, so he's like it, yeah. it's never going to work perfectly. But um, have you have you ever come across the Venus Project, Elliot? Venus. The Venus Project. You'd be very, very interested. In fact, it's in Florida, in Venus, Florida. It's it's a it's 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 a thing. It's you should check it out. The Venus Project. It's I actually interviewed them this time last week. It's by a guy called Jock Fresco and a woman called Ro Roxanne Meadows. And it's Jock is Jock is ninety six years of age, and he basically has spent his whole life dedicated to coming up with with a with the technology for the world to be a resource-based economy now it sounds very like you know uh euphoria but you should really look into it like jock has put a serious amount of work into it it's, it's amazing the stuff he's invented like. is this the zeitgeist it's it's very similar to the zeitgeist it, it, in, in fact in zeitgeist 2 it, it had like an, a half having like a half hour 45 minute slot towards the, the the latter end of that film but it's it's a it's a separate entity. So there's there's the Zeitgeist movement and there's the Venus Project. They're two completely separate things, but they're 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 similar like uh, sort of thought processes. The the kind of the Venus Project is kind of this the the solution to what the Zeitgeist gives out about. If you know what I mean, the Zeitgeist doesn't really have many solutions, whereas or or, or the solution that Zeitgeist put forward now is really based on the work of Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project. But it's very very interesting. It's basically a resource based economy. Well, I have, I have hope for the future. You know, I, I, I think of the human race 
in the same the evolution of the human race the same way that you look at the evolution of a single human being and there's there are levels of maturity that are gained after times of chaos mm -hmm. but we're always getting you know always getting wiser or should be getting wiser and more mature as we go along so you know it's almost like we're going through uh, some like adolescent growing pains right now as we separate from our parents and, and take on a new identity as a race on this planet yeah again in, in Bruce Lipton's work he, he believes that what we're going through right now is just a, an evolutionary process that, that it's, it's natural like so yeah I, I subscribe to that idea Elliot, what are your views on spirituality and religion? Uh, spirituality and religion? Well, I've I, I spent a lot of time thinking about these things. I like and have always enjoyed reading spiritual or uh, religious texts. Like, there, there are parts of the Bible, when I say parts, that I'm <laughs> like, I'm just shocked at how brilliant this person that wrote this is. Like, I, I think of the, uh, I, I think of um, Genesis. And I think that's like probably the most amazing, if not the most amazing poem ever written. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. I, I've read parts of the Quran. I, I read the Tao Te Ching, uh, the Bhagavad Gavita. I've read uh, Buddhist texts and uh, as well as Baha'i texts, uh, the Kaltadiyaktas. I mean, these are all brilliantly written, eloquently. They're, 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 the way they're portrayed or the things that are portrayed in them just lights up the spirit, lights up the mind, lights up the body. It, it, it's brilliant stuff. The problem is when we try to institutionalize it, when we, when yeah. we use that patriarchal model that I spoke about before, and it's like, okay, now you're in charge of this book, and uh, you tell people what to do based on what it says. And, uh, and that's, when we get in trouble. that's where religion ends up screwing up the ideas that were presented by these brilliant, beautiful people that God gave us in order to enlighten us, you know? In now, this this is, I suppose, a fairly deep question. In your opinion, what is God? Uh, if I could tell you, you, I would, I would have to be God. I think <laughs> you have to crown me God. If I were to tell you what God is, I can tell you what I. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Let, let, let me rephrase that. To you, what is God? Well, here's the thing. I, I like to share what I experience as God. Okay. Uh, and I experience God as things that are clearly being animated that I am not animating with my own hand and science has not pointed to what actually animates it. And there's a lot that, that I mean, basically the fundamental building blocks of everything we see around us is being animated by something that we just don't get yet. You know, and if you talk to physicists, uh, physicists they'll tell you the same thing. You know, they, they go down to the micromolecular quantum levels of atoms and stuff and they're like you know what we really don't know you know and no matter how much they, they, they dissect they move it down and some of the stuff that they see down there at, at those minor molecular levels they can use no other word to describe it but magical it's just magical stuff things are like popping in and out of existence they're doing things that we can't describe that they don't even know so I would call that God. You, you can't pinpoint it. Once you, there's a Taoist saying, one of the Taoist uh, tenets in the Tao Te Ching is the, the Tao that can be described is not the true Tao. The minute you can describe it, you've lost it. It's not. It's not it. And then if, you know, we can look down at that level and we can look at the expansiveness of the universe. The more we move out into space, the less we realize we know, and the smaller we actually become. 
and it's undescribable. We cannot even even fathom. It's unfathomable. So this entity that uh, that I'm describing has has done things, and I've seen it do things, and I've experienced it in a myriad of ways, like magical things happening right now. Uh, you know, you know or, or like uh, where I'll embark upon adventures or ideas that have no two, no real way of manifesting itself, but magically it manifests itself. This usually happens in the, uh, in the way of making money when I am flat broke. You know, it's like, wow, like I, this money just kind of fell into my pocket. I describe that as God. Now, that's just my idea. It's very, very, like, it's, uh, it's just funny that you said that because, again, going back, I think this is the third time I mentioned Bruce Lipton, but in Bruce Lipton's book, Lipton is a cell biologist, and he speaks about quantum physics and energy and he brings up the point of the atom that you mentioned and that what what cell biologists do or physicists themselves do is that they've actually tried to go in like years ago he talks about Newtonian physics and quantum physics and Newtonian physics was all about the atom and this was the smallest particle in, in existence and actually what we, re we realize now through quantum physics is that if you keep going microscopically into the atom like it, it, it becomes subatomical particles and if you just keep zooming in it just keeps as you said it just keeps coming apart coming apart coming apart coming apart and actually Lipton says it what actually holds it together is just its energy it's just energy and he actually shows a picture in, in his lectures where it's the Newtonian atom and it's like you know this little solar system picture and then it's the quantum physics atom and the quantum physics atom is just a blank picture and Lipton's, and, and Lipton's basically like, no, this isn't a mistake. This is, this is actually the quantum physics atom. He's like, it's not even there. He says, because if you just keep zooming in, you just go straight through it. And he says, what holds it together is energy. So Lipton's kind of philosophy is that energy is God, like, and it, it is what people think is God in his opinion. But he, Lipton's whole thing is that science and, and, and spirituality are actually one entity and they're not separate. Uh, but his book is amazing, Biology Belief. I think you, you would love his book. Yeah, I've heard of it, now that you mention it. And yeah, I agree with that fully. I'm totally enrolled in that idea that uh, science and religion are basically two ends of the same spectrum. They're both saying the same thing. They're playing the same game, but they're just using different language to describe it. Yeah, similar to, to Rudolf Steiner, he always talked about spiritual science. And I suppose to the average person, that's an oxymoron. They're like, well, how can you have spiritual science? But like Steiner was the same, that everything is spiritual and there's a... Es es esoteric uh, body to everything that's around us. Right. It's funny because you, see, you and I, we, we're, we're, we have expansive ideas. We're willing to contradict ourselves. We're willing to look at contradictory ideas. We're willing to see how pieces, pieces that seem uh, diametrically opposed actually co uh, complement each other. Most people, they attach to an idea and that's it. And you cannot remove or even share a different paradigm with them. So, for example, I, I was talking with someone, uh, a friend of mine's son, when we were there one night, and uh, I mentioned quantum physics. And uh, you know, I just said, oh, well, you know, we don't really know too much because of quantum physics. And he, he throws out the statement that, well, quantum physics is, is bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that he's a Christian. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. So, okay. You believe in a God that you've never seen, but quantum physics, which is something that science says like we really can't see, is bullshit. It's kind of like you're, 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 you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're, you're, you're downing something that basically proves that there's a God, 
while you stand and say yes, but it's a god, but it's not a god. I, it kind of it's weird to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. It's it is it, it, it's very 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 hard when people are. And again, actually, if 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 you if you yourself looked into the work of Jacques Fresco, what really got me into Jacques Fresco's work is Jacques would would call that person a victim of their culture. You know, if you're if you're indoctrinated into Christianity, I mean, is that really you speaking, or is that your indoctrination speaking? And every one of us is a victim of culture. Like right now, I speak to you with my Dublin Irish accent, and you're you're speaking back to me with your with your American accent, and that that that's because of our culture and the way I think and the way you think. And you know, if a Christian looks at Muslims, they think what Muslims do is wrong because that's just their culture has taught them what Muslims do is wrong, and vice versa with the Muslims and the Christian. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 just it's it's amazing. Like I I, I think of anyone downloading this podcast, listening to it now, going, I thought I was going to be listening to like, what's your be- what's the best exercise to get your deadlift up? <laughs> <laughs> well, here it, it always comes full circle though, because your ideas, like you just said, your vic- your ideas are a, a product of your environment, and if you live in an environment that gives you an idea that's not resourceful to your health you're going to be physically weak and you're not going to lift a heavy deadlift. So I've even written on my Shrenthology blog about how the, your ideas about God are going to affect how strong you are, and I, and I truly believe that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing, too, because me and you are speaking about this stuff now, and, and to be honest, it is becoming a little more, more accepted among, among the masses, I suppose, in ways. But Paul Cech was speaking about this stuff like, 15, 20 years ago, and it was just too, too, too soon for people. I think, you know, Paul, Paul, like I remember hearing Paul saying, when my athletes come in, the first thing we talk about is their, you know, their spiritual beliefs, because he's like, if there's any negative, negative influences there, that's going to affect their performance. And like, I was thinking, how, like, how is that even related? But you know, the more you kind of learn, that the more you realize, you just, the more you just don't know anything at all. Like, yeah, and it's a matter of. of showing people, educating people about how these things manifest themselves physically, like, you know, it, it, you, it's fair to wonder, like, well, why are we talking about God when, you know, we should be talking about deadlifts? Yeah. And yeah. when you can paint the picture and connect the dots and show how, well, your ideas are affecting your reality, and you, if you want to really pick up a, a, a heavier deadlift, let's explore your ideas. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your beliefs control your biology. Yeah, 100%. There's no question about it. It, it sounds woo-woo or like uh, ephemeral, and it, it turns a lot of people off, but it's, that cognitive dissonance, I, I think, is a is an expression of, of the fact that I think most people deep down understand how true and real that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Elliot, I won't keep you too much longer, just, just another about five, six, seven minutes. Uh, I just want to touch on, again, going back to that YouTube video we were showing your books, you picked up one or two books on parent, on parent sorry, Parenting. <laughs> I eventually got that word out, uh, and it's actually now I'm a single guy. You know, I'm, I'm don't have a girlfriend yet, uh, ladies, <laughs> and and uh, I don't have kids. But I'm fascinated with with parenting, and particularly, I suppose what got me into that was Sean Croxon, and he always talked about you know you need to be healthy before you had a child, and that, that kind of got me into the whole thing. But I've read some books on parenting, parenting. Parenting, and uh, you, you in that in that video, you know, spoke about you want to be a good father to to your children. Just what what does that mean to you to be a conscious parent? 
Well, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I mentioned my friend and, and mentor and therapist, Dr. Glazer, just now, and we've had this conversation, and he affirms the idea that to be the best parent you could be, you must first become the best you that you can be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as you're developing yourself, as you're becoming the strongest version of yourself, there's a, there's a phenomenon called transference where the people around you will have no choice to, but to either come up to the level that you're rising to or to fall off completely and disappear. And, uh, and I totally believe that. I mean, that's why they say you, you, know, you are who you hang out with and stuff like that. So your children will be who you are. You know, there are a lot of people who have hard ideas and fixed values about what they should and shouldn't do and how they should parent their children. But none of that means anything if they themselves are not the truest expressions of uh, the strength that they, sh they could exhibit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rules mean far less. Or what you do is far less important than who you are. And, uh, and that's, the, that's where I go with it. And as I evolve personally, I see how it affects the way I deal with my children and the type of people they become because of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, I, there's so many things you said now over the, the hour of this interview that really describe my, my certain thought process and things. And it's very funny you just said what you said there because a friend of mine said the exact same thing to me where I think she, she has a mentor very like, 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 uh, like, like your mentor and her mentor told her, well actually asked her what do you want to do with your life and she said I want to help people and then you know her mentor said well how do you think you're going to help people and she goes oh you know I'll just you know offer them help and her mentor actually said that's actually you know people actually find that very patronizing you know or, you know, offering your help and what, what her mentor said was that if you first of all love yourself and find your purpose in life and are comfortable in your own skin people will just be drawn to you and as you said like that's that's what it is it just radiates from you and then people see that and they see that you're you know you're very comfortable with yourself and you're a safe person to be with and it, you know it's just exactly like you said so it's just it's, it, it, for me it's just like it's funny the way so many people are kind of on the same wavelength you know what I mean? if you know if you know what I'm saying yeah, the, the most unselfish thing you can do is to become the strongest version of yourself. Yeah, and that's the whole part of your strengthology, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, because it's, it's the absolute best thing that you could do for the world. Because if you're weak, you're, you're, you're not going to help too many people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even if you do help, you're coming from a weak place. Yeah. And, and it goes back to what I said before, it's not what you do. You could be feeding people in a soup kitchen, but it's how you're doing it, who you are as you're doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm that really matters and it's if you're coming from a place of empowerment and strength and personal power and will then you, everything that you do is going to be graced with that Midas touch yeah it's, it's like Paul Cech says you can't give something you don't have so if you don't love yourself how can you love somebody else yeah great point uh, Elliot f final question um, have you got any projects coming up uh, any, any, anything new in the works yeah, I probably have too many things <laughs> in the works, like I like I always do. Right now, I'm trying to finish up a ebook called uh, "The Grow Stronger Method," and it, it's about strength because that's what most people are here for and, and listen to me for. And it's a mixture of low volume, high intensity uh, strength training, powerlifting type stuff, uh, combined with body weight training, like gymnastic training. And I 
almost everything I come out with and share is just what I happen to be doing. And I happen to really like this type of training right now, so I'm taking pictures and videos and making a book about it. The, uh, the purpose of it and, and, and why I'm doing it, you know, number one is to get strong, but to be able to develop a serious amount of core strength along with the, uh, the superficial muscular strength and not gain a lot of weight while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that. And then you, you mentioned strengthology, which is my, it's kind of like my, my back end uh, ongoing project. And it's, it's where I finally get to share a lot of the ideas that, you know, we spent probably 75% of our time talking about just now. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I, these ideas are so powerful, but yet so impotent if we're not actively sharing them. And I, and I see strengthology as a big, a huge undertaking that little by little I'll chip away at uh, supporting one person at a time if I have to in becoming the strongest version of themselves, not just physically, but physiologically, uh, psychologically, or psych psychosomatically, and, uh, and presentably, you know, because those then become warriors that can go out and, and fight for the same cause. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I lied. I have one more question. What did you eat today? What did I eat today? It's funny because uh, I'm starving right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I do actually every day, I, I come home, I, I go to the gym early in the morning, I come home and I cook and I rotate between chicken breast or grass-fed beef. And uh, so it's, it's, today is chicken breast day. Uh, and I always I rotate between the following vegetables. Today is, uh, is asparagus day, but it's asparagus, broccoli, collard greens, or cauliflower. So uh, I'll rotate those two meats, these four vegetables, and, and every day my carbs come from sweet potatoes. So depending on what my activity level is that day, I'll either eat one or two or more sweet potatoes. And that's it. I mean, the weekends I kind of pick out, to be honest with you. I go to my mom's house and she makes fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. That's what I'll have. <laughs> but, uh, but five days out of the week, it, it's that rotation that you just heard. You can't, you can't say no to your mother's cooking. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and it's kind of a pain in the butt because you, you mentioned children. I have four children, and, uh, and when they're not in school, it's, it's kind of a little bit more chaotic, so I don't get time to cook and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Elliot, uh, that's it. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day and out of your schedule to come on to the podcast. I finally, finally got together and we did an interview. And uh, I just want to say, keep doing what you're doing. You, you know, you're you are doing great work, and the stuff you're putting out there is really influencing and helping an awful lot of people. And uh, hopefully, now myself, I'll get some more of my own information out on YouTube, and the two of us can, uh, you know, can can make the world a better place. So thanks a million, Elliot. Yeah, you're doing fantastic work. This is what it's all about. You know, we spoke about the, the sharing of ideas and what you're doing is you're going out and finding ideas to share it. So you're doing some of the most important work that can be done right now. So I, I'm honored to be a part of what you're doing. Thanks, Millie, that is. Okay, guys, I just want to say thanks again for listening and I will talk to you soon and take care.